Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution broadcast this, this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 wpht rich zioli well a friend of phony willis's gumara is on the stand right now in a case in georgia as uh, being billed as a star witness but so far it's been just a lot of interruptions and a lot of objections and um, very, very boring court TV. But I'll keep you posted. Don't worry if anything comes up. We got it on. We'll monitor it for you, no doubt. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. It is the Michigan primary, as you know. And uh, Trump will win that. And Joe Biden is facing a protest vote, as you just heard in the CBS News. I keep the news on on purpose, I, I want to hear what they're saying. And I found it fascinating that, well, first of all, Wendy's surge pricing is ridiculous. But the whole point about uh, Biden facing a rebellion, so to speak, among Democrats over his support of Israel, which I think his support of Israel is is lukewarm at best. But they want him to be all in on support for the Palestinian movement. That's what they want. And the fact that the Democrat Party is so freaking nuts that they are doing this shows you why when Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, and I played you a clip yesterday, came out and said that the MAGA, you know, the party of extremism, dude, the, your party is the party of extremism. I mean, your, your party is it. That's it. It's your party. That's, that's your party. And that's who we're talking about here. That's the party. So I... Um, I'm amazed. I really am. I'm, I'm amazed at how we can sit here and listen, really listen to these people on the, on the left say Republicans are extremists when we have just absolute nutbaggery. You know, I've got a clip of Bill Clinton that's been circulating around today. 
of him going on about how he wants more deportations. There was a time when Democrats actually said things like that. Now, of course, the idea of deporting anybody who's here illegally is, well, it's, 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 it's Nazi. You're, you're a Nazi, basically, if you do that. So the Democrat Party has just moved so far to the left. It's, uh, it's crazy. The big story of the day today, though, of course, is the Michigan primary, which Trump will win in a big, big way. It's brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Just go there today and book your perfect smile, venariadental.com. Maybe he's my buddy. He's a good guy. You're going to want to meet him. Uh, yesterday, the Supreme Court heard a lot of arguments on government speech, censorship, Section 230, social media, and we have a lot of great audio for you from that Supreme Court hearing. As you know, I'm a nerd, and I love to hear all this stuff, and I love to bring it to you. So that's what we'll do. The other thing, too, is that uh, Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota was at Mar-a-Lago meeting with Trump as the veepstakes speculation continues to increase. All I can tell you is it's anybody's guess. Nobody knows for sure who Trump's going to go with, but um, the veep stakes are on. And it's probably more interesting than the actual presidential primary because that's decided. I mean, Trump's the nominee. Nikki Haley's taking the race, I think, obviously, just as some sort of insurance policy for the convention. Trump's going to be the nominee. So now the only interesting question is who's he going to pick as his running mate? And it's just exciting only because it brings so much potential. Whoever the, per- whoever the person is, the, the corporate media is going to hate them. So don't worry about that. I mean, if it's Tim Scott or it's Byron Donalds, then they're not really going to be black. If it's Christy Nome or it's Tulsi Gabbard or Elise Stefanik, then they're not really going to be a woman. Though, even though, you know, the media can't define what a woman is, but they will just shred whoever it is. So it doesn't matter. But I think it matters for voters who are unsure about, uh, well, first of all, they don't like Biden. They're, they don't like Biden at all. They know Trump is the better choice. They don't want to tell their friends that they're embarrassed or they're worried about being canceled or whatever it is. I mean, there was a New York Times guy. He has a piece out. He was canceled. He was shamed for eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. He was called a heretic for admitting at a New York Times event that he ate the Chick-fil-A sandwich. They hate chicken. You know, so he's a heretic for that. So people are worried about getting canceled. So they're afraid to even say who they're supporting if they're supporting Trump. But I do think there are a lot of voters out there who are looking at both of the candidates because of the age issue, the age factor, which is not a bad thing, because if you look at the age factor, you can clearly see there's a difference between Donald Trump's age and Joe Biden's age in the sense that Donald Trump has not lost his mind and Joe Biden has lost his freaking mind. And no, 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 Donald Trump did not forget his wife's name. That is a uh, lie that's being told out there. He was referencing Mercedes Schlapp, who was sitting in the first row at CPAC when he was giving his speech. It's another one of those little media games that they're playing. But I do think that the the running mate matters because we're dealing with two guys who are, you know, in in the 80-ish age. And I think there are some voters that are going to think about that, which is a good thing. Let them. Let them focus on that. Because when you look at Joe Biden's running mate and you think about her as president, it's a disaster. And Americans think about that. It's not like they're reassured by Kamala Harris and her word salads. They're not. If anything, they're even more, more concerned. And less likely to vote for Joe Biden because of his running mate. So if Trump has somebody on the ticket who has some experience legislating or governing, I think it's going to go a long way towards helping him with voters who are on the fence. Remember, not everybody thinks like I do. Not everybody thinks like you do. There are a lot of people that just go about their day. They don't they don't think about it in the same way. And so when we are talking about it, it's it's they call it insider baseball. 
And to use an analogy about if you were listening to sports radio and, you know, they're talking about this player or that player trading this player or that player. If you only like just watching the games, but you really don't get into the weeds on who the players are and the moves and all the, it, that, it, that conversation doesn't interest you. You just, you just want to watch the game. For, for most Americans, most people, that's how they approach politics. You know, they don't look at it in the same way we do. It's fun, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the back and forth over who would be a good, uh, a good Veep choice, and everybody has it. But I think you have to think about, if you're already voting for Trump, which chances are, if you're listening to this show, you've decided that it's a, he's a better choice than Joe Biden, and you're going to go that way. Or you listen to the show because you hate me, and you hate Trump, and you, just, you, it like, you like to get a rise out of that, which is fine, too. I'll take it. It's okay. I'm getting hate my guts and listen to me. Just don't turn me off. It's not a problem. Love me, hate me. Just don't turn me off. As the old uh, great Bob Grant used to say. So the, the the question though is for the voters who are just not as engaged, but they're thinking about these things and they add up all the factors. And maybe in 2020 they said I didn't like Trump's tweets and I didn't like COVID and Biden was the nice old man in the basement who was going to keep me safe from mean tweets and from COVID. But now they're realizing what a huge disaster that's been. But they're thinking about a lot of different factors. And while they're, I'd say, leaning towards Trump, maybe whoever he picks as his number two choice, his number is running mate, will help push them over the edge. And the reason why I say that is because for them, they may think about, all right, well, he's got one term and he's 80 something. You never know who's going to be that person. I think in this election, there's going to be scrutiny on that question i do and i think it's an opportunity for that person whoever that choice is to not just be a a pit bull and an attack dog but to win over voters who are definitely leaning trump but have some reservations for whatever reason and maybe that the reservations are because they um are just afraid to tell their friends but maybe they'll be able to turn around and say well this gives me further assurance that this is just a great choice overall you know, it's a, it's a good choice overall. So from my perspective, I think having somebody with government experience is good. Like somebody today suggested Carrie Lake. Look, I love Carrie Lake. She's great. She was on the show. She called me from the plane bathroom, literally from a bathroom on an airplane. She had an interview booked. She didn't want to miss it, but they changed her flight. She had a call from the bathroom and they were knocking on the door, telling her to get off the phone and get back to her seat. But I respect that. And I like her a lot. And she's very talented and she's got a lot to offer and she's got a great future in politics but she doesn't have any governing experience. And so for that reason, I think it's better if Trump goes with somebody who has that level of experience. I mean, yeah, MAGA loves Carrie Lake, but MAGA's already voting for Trump. It's not like you're going to get some Trump supporters who are going to go, I'm only going to vote for Trump if he picks Carrie Lake. I think you got to go for people who are more down the, I don't want to say middle, because I don't know if that's the right word, but just not as engaged, you know, just looking at it and thinking of themselves, I'm not happy with the direction of the country. I And maybe they're the people that don't like either of these two choices, but they realize it's a binary choice. Like, I'm happy Trump's going to be the nominee. I think Trump will do a great job. He did a great job his last term. I think he'll do a great job this term. But they're not everybody thinks like I do. And so to reach those people and to convince them of that, I think is important. I really do. I think to to have those people and, and, and reach them and assure them that his pick is going to be somebody who's got some experience governing in some way will matter. And I think it'll help, especially when that person contrasts with Kamala Harris. But think about it. Kamala Harris has been the vice president now for almost four years. It's a disaster. The border was her portfolio. 
the border is a is 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 there's a literal invasion going on. Biden's going to the border Thursday. What a joke that is, right? And so, you know, that person, whoever Trump's running mate is on stage debating Kamala Harris, I think is a newsworthy event. Because for Americans who are concerned about the age issue, they might tune in for that. They might want to see that. And I have a hard hard time believing Kamala Harris can win that debate with any of the names that are on the short list. I mean, really, whether it's it's Vivek or it's Tulsi or it's Elise or it's uh, Christy Nome or it's Byron Donalds, I think any of those five would destroy Kamala Harris in a debate. I really do. And that may be the only debate you get, because if Biden remains the candidate, I'm still not sure he is. But if he remains a candidate, I doubt he debates Trump. I doubt he's going to. I don't think he's capable of it. By the way, speaking of people recognizing the mistakes of horrible policies in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams now wants to modify New York City's sanctuary law. So all these big city Democrats who were once embracing sanctuary cities. And what do we mean by a sanctuary city? Let's think about that for a second. What do we mean by that? A sanctuary city does not mean that you are a city where the feds can't come to your home and drag you out because they do that all the time. They just mostly do it to pro-lifers and people who are in the Capitol on January 6th. No, what a sanctuary city means is that if you are being held in jail by a local municipality, city, whatever, and you are on the list for ICE, you know, there's an ICE detainer out for you. A sanctuary city means they won't cooperate with Immigration and Customs Enforcement and they won't allow the federales to come get you. So you have sanctuary within, the, within that jail, within that, the confines of that incarceration facility, whatever it is. They won't cooperate. That's the, that's the issue with this guy who, who murdered this young woman. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And these, these Democrat cities bragged about the fact when Jim Kenney did the white man's overbite, And saying, we are a sanctuary city, yeah. They were bragging about the fact that they were not going to be cooperating with federal law enforcement when they had a criminal in their jail who was also wanted by the feds. A lot of people thought sanctuary city meant, oh, in this city, ICE can't deport anybody. That's not true. I mean, if, if ICE knows where somebody lives, if somebody's living on, you know, whatever, whatever the street is and and immigration wants to come and get them. The, the city is not a sanctuary from that. We were literally talking about jails. We we're literally talking about jails being the sanctuary. Now, back in the old days, it was churches. And some, some, some places it still is. But in the old days, you'd, you'd get sanctuary in a church. And then Democrats decided that you'd get sanctuary in jail. But you were a criminal being held in, say, the Philadelphia County Jail, whatever the charge was. And I should reach out to the Philadelphia sheriff and say, hey, you got this guy. We have a detainer on him. We want to get him and we want to deport him. And Philadelphia would say, no, because we are a sanctuary city. Yeah. And we're not going to give him over to you. And it was absurd because you're dealing with people who've, who've broken the law and they're wanted by the feds. And they've broken the local law, too, which is why they're in jail. They weren't in jail because they were here illegally. They were in jail for something else. ICE had a detainer on them. ICE wanted them because they wanted to deport them. And the fact that they were criminal, you think, would make it just very easy for the local officials to turn around and say, sure, take the guy. This way, we don't have to pay for his three hots and a cot. Instead, they provided sanctuary. And it's been a disaster. And it's been so politically unpopular since illegal immigrants started showing up on the doorstep of these cities. Remember, 
when it wasn't an issue for them, they could all run around and brag about this stuff. They could brag about being sanctuary cities because they never had to worry about it. They were thousands of miles away from the border, thousands of miles away from the nearest El Paso rest stop. They weren't concerned. So they could come up with these woke policies and never would think it would affect them. And then Republican governors got smart and said, hey, why should we have to have all the fun? You are going to start taking some of these illegal immigrants. And they started sending them to places like New York and Philadelphia and Martha's Vineyard. And then when they got there, the locals said, wait a second here. We don't really want these people here. And we said we did, but we didn't really mean it. Yeah, we said hate has no home here, but actually we got a lot of hate and we don't want anybody here. So please send them back. We want the border to be open. We just want everybody to stay in Texas. We don't want them coming to New York or Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket or any of these other places. Nobody eating a lobster roll in Nantucket should have to see an illegal immigrant. They were horrified when they had to see this. So the minute it became a policy issue for them, that's when suddenly they changed their mind about these things. Now, a reasonable person would have said, why would you in the first place not want to turn over a criminal to the federal government if the federal government has a detainer request for that person? Why would you not want to turn him over? I mean, here you have a guy in your jail who's broken the law. They want the guy. Why would you protect them? Why would you offer them sanctuary? It doesn't make any sense. We're not talking about the Philadelphia City Hall being a sanctuary for illegal immigrants who are living in Philadelphia who can go there with their kids and hide out. Now, it's not what we were talking about. We're always talking about the criminal justice system. So why would you provide sanctuary in that manner? And it, 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 it didn't make any sense then. It doesn't make sense now. But back then, they never thought it would be an issue. Now it's an issue because now you have illegal immigrants in these cities and they're committing crimes. They're beating up cops. They're killing people and they're robbing places and all kinds of other problems. So much so that now the New York City mayor, Eric Adams, wants to modify New York City's sanctuary city policy. Remember, as you hear the mayor, and I'll play the clip in just a second, but remember, as you hear the mayor, what we're talking about here is people who are criminals. I think when when the idea of sanctuary cities first came out, a lot of people in the media made it sound as if, yeah, sure. Listen, if you're an illegal mom, you know, you're, you're an illegal immigrant mother who's got three young kids and ICE is looking for you. You, know, you just come to the Philadelphia City Hall and just hide out. We'll provide sanctuary for you. And well, the, the Philadelphia City Police will have the cops stand outside and we won't let the feds get you and your kids. It was never about that. It was always about a bad guy in a jail or a bad woman in a jail or a bad they, them in a jail. But the they, them were not allowed to be given over to the feds. That, that's what the policy is. Now that you have people who are breaking the law and then the city now... These cities are overwhelmed by this because of the policies that said they were sanctuary cities. They've invoked this for years. Well, now they want to get rid of people. And they're realizing now that they can get rid of people who are criminals quite easily, and they would win public support for doing so. But there's a tiny little problem. That tiny little problem is the policy that they've put in place declaring themselves sanctuary cities. So here's the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, got 15. Now, we, the overwhelming number of migrants and asylum seekers that are here, they want, to, they want to work. I still don't understand why the federal government is not allowing them to work. They need to have the right to work, like all of us that have come to this country had the ability to do so. But those small numbers that are committing crimes, 
we need to modify the, uh, the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be, you should be not committing crimes in our city for doing so. Right now, we don't have the authority to do so. We don't have the authority to do so. We don't have the authority to get rid of you if you commit a crime. Think about that. We don't have the authority to get rid of you if you commit a crime. And they want the authority now. But for years, they bragged about having the authority to not get rid of you if you commit a crime. They bragged about it. They patted themselves on the back about it. They did dances in the, in the hallway of their office like Jim Kenney did. They were dancing and celebrating. We are a sanctuary city, yeah, celebrating this. And now they realize the disaster of their policies. But it shows you how far the Democrats have come on this issue, how far left they've come. I was listening to Chuck Schumer today go on about how, you know, we'll get there about the border, but Ukraine matters first. He literally said that. Like the border is a much more complicated issue. Everybody agrees on Ukraine. So we'll get to the border eventually. But Ukraine, we got to get the funding for Ukraine first. But there was a time when Democrats absolutely believed in things like border walls and deportations, or at least they said so. Whether they actually believe in them or not, they said those things. But now... We're watching as the Democrat Party is now kind of doing a 180 because they've got away from that. And then for years, they were the party of open borders. They still are. And they criticized Trump. You know, he was this authoritarian who was going to rip people from their families and deport them and send them home. But here's a little clip of Bill Clinton from the 90s. It's been making its way around social media all day today. As Bill Clinton stands up there and talks about how he wants to have more deportations and gets bipartisan applause. From the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm sure there were a couple of nutbag Democrat holdouts even back then. But this is the Democrat president of the United States not that long ago. I mean, in the 90s. It seems like forever, but it really wasn't that long ago. Take a listen. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The job they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. I mean, it sounds like they liked what he had to say back then. But then the party has moved so far to the left. And this is what I mean about when guys like Josh Shapiro come out and say, hey, the Republican Party is a party of extremists. Listen, man, we're not the party of extremists. They're not the party of extremists. It's your party. You can acknowledge that fact or not, but it's the truth. Here's Democrat Representative Katie Porter on the murder of the 22-year-old Lake and Riley. 
beautiful young woman killed by an illegal immigrant who was wanted by the feds. And remember that they don't want to acknowledge that that's even possible, that that could happen. Cut 14. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like, like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Well, I think when a... It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Got it? Shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Just one bad apple. Don't let one bad apple ruin the bunch. You know what I mean? Come on. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. So the guy on the stand being billed as a star witness trying to make the timeline between Fawny Willis and her gumata, Nathan Wade, <coughs> uh, fit. Of course, the question is, we know they were romantically linked. Why does it matter exactly when if they were romantically linked and she was paying him and they were taking these lavish trips together? I think either way, Fawny Willis should be disqualified as the prosecutor in the case against Trump in Georgia. I think the whole case should just be disqualified. But nevertheless, the timeline between Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis is at issue. Once again, don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Now, the Marcotti remains the elusive award I still want to win. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in today. A couple of birthdays in the Zioli Army today. So first, let me wish Paul DiBartolo a birthday. Paul and I have been going back and forth on Twitter about Tulsi Gabbard. But nevertheless, it's his birthday today. So Paul, have a happy birthday and uh, enjoy it. And thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate it. Again, I don't have to defend Tulsi Gabbard. It's up to you if you believe Tulsi Gabbard's sincerity on her change and her policy positions. And it's up to you. It's up, and it's up to her to convince you. I mean, I don't work for her. I'm not picking her as my running mate. We're not picking her. Um, I, I believe she's sincere. I do. That's my, my gut tells me she's sincere. I think people can change politically. But look, I'm not going to go back and forth and defend her. I don't have to. It's up to you. Paul is a little bit suspicious, and perhaps you are as well. That's okay. When people change their political stances in life, it certainly can come with some scrutiny. But just remember, Trump also went through this. He also went through this change in many of his political policy positions. But nevertheless, Paul, happy birthday, buddy, and thank you for listening to the show. And I appreciate it. My buddy Doug, his birthday was Sunday. My buddy Doug Kersey. So happy birthday to Doug. 
He turned uh, 75, I believe. Just kidding, Doug. I know he's listening because he just texted me something I can't understand. I don't think it's actually in English, but nevertheless, happy birthday, pal. Uh, And there's one more birthday to wish, but I'll wait on that one. Two more birthdays to wish, actually. Big birthday day. Two more, but I'll get to those as the show goes on. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. So the question, of course, of when Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Georgia, and her boyfriend, Nathan Wade, or ex-boyfriend or lover or Gumada, whatever, when this all started is at the heart of this question. Let's think about this for a second now. We know that they were together. We just, we're just trying to figure out when it actually started. We know that he was married when they were together, and we know that they eventually would go on all of these lavish vacations together, and he would eventually get divorced, or his divorce is in the process of being finalized or whatever. But here's the, here's the thing. The question is, is it a conflict of interest? Now, there are two issues at heart here. Number one is, when did the affair begin? And number two is, did she have any financial benefit here? As far as I'm concerned, whether or not the affair began before she hired him or not is not as relevant as whether or not she was getting a financial benefit from having an affair with him while she was paying him to be the lead prosecutor in the case against Trump. But there's another issue here, too, and that is just absolute dereliction of duty. Remember, from my perspective, I'm quite happy about the fact that Nathan Wade had no experience being the prosecutor. I I mean, no business being there. I'm very happy about that fact. The case in Georgia is pure and utter BS. It is a nonsense case. It is trying to use RICO against Trump to argue that he was attempting to overturn Georgia's election. It's BS. The The whole case is a joke. But nevertheless... You don't bring in a guy who dealt with municipal court. You bring in an experienced RICO prosecutor. That's the responsibility you have to your office and to your constituents. But if you bring in your boyfriend, even though he's not worthy of the job because he's the lesser prosecutor here, well, then you've done a disservice to your office. You've done a disservice to the people that elected you, and you've done a disservice to the case. And especially then if you're making money off it because you're going on all these trips and vacations and allegedly paying him back in cash, which nobody believes. But did she bring him on the case because she just thought he was charming and handsome? Or did she bring him on the case even though he wasn't experienced and really had no business to be the lead prosecutor because they were having an affair? Either way, I think this that she needs to be disqualified. Either way, this case needs to be completely turned away from her office because the impropriety here stinks to high heaven. And Democrats know it, too. They're very angry. You know, they're very upset with Fawny Willis. She couldn't keep it in her pants because their big dream was to get Trump in Georgia, get him in prison where he couldn't pardon himself and then have to have the Navy SEALs rescue him from jail, escape from Georgia, penal edition, my summer blockbuster movie. So whether or not the relationship, the affair began before he was hired or after he was hired, I don't think really matters all that much. She hired a guy either because she really liked him or because they were sleeping together and he wasn't up for the job. That's number one. Number two, eventually she would then go on all these trips with him using money that she was paying him. And then there is the whole issue of lying about all this, which, of course, completely destroys her credibility. But let's assume for a second that they were just friends before she hired him. Why is the guy hanging out at the condo at the Love Shack till 430 in the morning every night? 
playing chess, just talking, talking shop, talking, talking office politics. I think everybody knows they were together. I think everybody knows that she's lying about the timeline. I think everybody knows there's a clear conflict of interest here. And I think everybody knows that the only reason why this guy was brought onto the case is because they had a romantic relationship. So the whole thing is a mess. It really is. And it's fun to watch on TV, although the star witness is being very evasive here. But the bottom line is, I think a reasonable person can conclude there's enough circumstantial evidence to make the determination that Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis were most likely knocking boots prior to her hiring him. And certainly they were knocking boots while he was working for her office. And we also know that they were going on trips together using money that she was paying him. I don't think you have to be a particularly partisan person to conclude that that is a real problem when faced with public scrutiny. So I imagine this case is not long for this world and good riddance to that. The Georgia case is a joke, but even the New York case and the New York cases are a joke as well. And I can't emphasize enough to you. When Donald Trump says that they're coming after him, he's not wrong. He's really not wrong here because New York proves it. New York proves exactly what I'm talking about when they were coming after Donald Trump purposely for political reasons. And that comes from Reason.com. Not exactly a very, very pro-Trump site. Reason.com is a libertarian site. They like some things Trump does, but they're not in the tank form like other sites are. They just like to call it like they see it. Jacob Solomon's their legal guy, and he has a piece over there. He says, the two New York cases lend credibility to Trump's complaint of partisan persecution. Neither Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg nor... New York Attorney General Letitia James can explain exactly who is victimized by the dishonesty that they cite. In other words, who are the victims? Typically, when there's a crime, somebody is a victim. Somebody in some way, shape, or form was cheated out of something, was hurt in some way, but there are no victims here. As Donald Trump tells it, he writes, of all the civil and criminal cases against him, they're all part of a Democratic conspiracy to keep him from returning to the White House. Although some of the many charges against him involve credible allegations of serious crimes, he writes, they have been overshadowed recently by two New York cases that are much weaker. Now, I disagree with his point about the serious crimes. I disagree with him on that point because I don't think it's true, the argument that Trump had these classified documents and that these documents having them in his possession rise to a crime. It's a civil matter under federal law. When there's a disagreement between a former president and the national archives over which property belongs to the United States of America or to the former president, it's not a criminal matter. And obviously, as we saw with Joe Biden, who had all these criminal, had all these classified documents when he wasn't president in his possession from before he was president, They chose not to prosecute him. So you could make the credible argument that even though the prosecutor was arguing they wouldn't they they couldn't get a conviction because Biden's a doddering old fool. Um, Maybe it's also because it's kind of tough to really make the argument that having these things in your possession, if you are president or an ex-president, is that problematic? And so. For Donald Trump, his argument being, listen, I'm the former president. I declassify these things. I have them in my possession. I have not committed a crime. 
I agree. He has not committed a crime. But the point is, I'm I'm sharing this this story with you because it's a good basis to think about. This writer, at least, thinks that there's some allegations of serious crimes committed by by Trump. I disagree with him. But his point about New York is spot on. And so when you have somebody who thinks that Trump may have committed in area A, there's gray area, but clearly says in area B, it's political persecution. You can believe him because he's not just writing this because he just so wants to vindicate Trump. In 2016, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg says Trump corrupted a presidential election by concealing embarrassing information from voters. And according to New York Attorney General Letitia James, whose lawsuit resulted in a staggering disgorgement order against Trump last week, he defrauded lenders and insurers by habitually inflating the value of his assets. Bragg and James, both Democrats, argue that Trump was dishonest, which will not come as news to anyone who has been paying attention to the persistent gap between reality and his public statements on matters large and small. Again, he's not a pro-Trump writer. But neither Bragg nor James have been able to explain exactly who was victimized by the misrepresentations they cite. Alvin Bragg's criminal case, which is now scheduled for trial on March 25th, charges Trump with 34 counts of falsifying business records. Each of those is based on an invoice check or ledger entry that allegedly was designed to disguise Trump's reimbursement of a $130,000 payment that Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, gave to porn star Stormy Daniels before the 2016 election to keep her from talking about her alleged affair with Trump. Falsifying business records in this case, mischaracterizing the payments to Cohen as compensation for legal services, is ordinarily a misdemeanor. But Bragg is charging Trump with 34 felonies, each punishable by up to four years in prison because he allegedly was trying to cover up another crime. Alvin Bragg, just for the record, just so you know, this is a guy who routinely takes felonies and downgrades them to misdemeanors. But in Trump's case, he took misdemeanors and upgraded them to felonies. Bragg says that the criminal activity that Trump sought to conceal included attempts to violate state and federal election laws. That claim is based on legal interpretation so iffy that even his predecessor, Cyrus Vance Jr., rejected them after lengthy consideration. Explaining why he nevertheless is trying to convert one hush payment into 34 felonies, Alvin Bragg complains that Trump hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. Although Bragg says that offense is the heart of the case, it is not a crime. If Daniels had simply agreed not to talk about the alleged affair after Trump asked her nicely, the result would have been the same. Now, remember something. He writes the word alleged. We don't know if the affair actually happened, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter. A, and this is me saying this right now, A, I don't really think the American people give a damn anymore about this stuff, but B, even if they did, there's no guarantee it would have changed anyone's vote. I mean, Trump was married three times. I don't really think people voted for him because of his marital virtue. I think they voted for him for other reasons. So even if they knew, let's say the affair was real. Let's say he actually did have an affair with Stormy Daniels. You could still make the argument that people would have said, all right, I don't approve, but I don't care. I'm still voting for the guy. He's still better than Hillary Clinton, who, by the way, her husband had multiple affairs that she helped cover up. 
So Alvin Bragg's argument that the voters were denied the ability to know the truth and therefore they were defrauded. You have to then come to the conclusion that had they known the truth, if it isn't, is in fact the truth, that they would have changed their vote. There's no way to prove that. You can't make that correlation. People might have said, who cares? People might have said, well, he shouldn't have done that. People might have said, I'm glad he did. Good for him. High five. Who knows? It doesn't matter. The point is, you can't predict what voters would know. And lots of politicians keep their personal lives private because they're afraid of the judgment by the voters. And sometimes when it comes out, it becomes really problematic for them. But politicians keep lots of things private from voters. I mean, maybe you could argue that if voters knew that a president slept, I don't know, four hours a night because the guy was a total insomniac, they might be less likely to vote for him. They might think that the guy has a serious sleep deprivation and might be more likely to launch a nuclear strike. I don't know. Or maybe if you think the president eats too many carbs, people might think, well, you know, he missed blood sugar and he might, he might start a war. Who knows? It doesn't matter. You cannot make an absolute correlation between knowledge about somebody's personal proclivities, whether it's in the bedroom or in the kitchen or both, would then lead to a voter making a determination. You can't. And that's exactly what the prosecutor in New York is trying to do here. He's trying to argue that if the voters knew about Stormy Daniels, they might not have voted for him. Well, first of all, they didn't vote for him in New York. He lost New York. And that's the only place that Alvin Bragg has jurisdiction. Donald Trump did not win New York City. He didn't win New York State. So where exactly, how were people defrauded? It's not like he won New York and then people learned about the Stormy Daniels allegation and said, damn it, I want to take back my vote. So who exactly is the victim in this case? But it's much like the Letitia James case. Who's the victim in that? There is no victim. There's no victim in any of these cases. That's the point. I'll have more about this for you in just a moment, but I want to tell you about my my lawn, my beautiful lawn, my, well, it's not beautiful yet <coughs> because A, it's winter. But before you know it, it's going to be springtime. And B, we have a new house. So Natural Lawn of America has yet to come and treat it. But I'll tell you what, at the old place, the lawn always looked great. Thanks to my lawn care company, the one that I recommend, Natural Lawn of America. Natural Lawn's environmentally friendly approach to lawn care has been creating green lawns quickly, more naturally, and with fewer weeds since 1987. Unlike other one-size-fits-all companies, their technicians will work to determine the specific needs of your lawn. Natural Lawn's exclusive, organic-based products are designed to work with nature, not against it, which mean they are safer for every member of your family, even your pets. So kick the chemical lawn habit and start today with Natural Lawn's safer products and programs. Start now, because spring's going to be here before you know it. Take advantage of their limited-time offer, free seeding every year. That's right. Every year, they'll seed your lawn for free. Schedule Natural Lawn's full-service program and get free seeding every year. Call 800-FREE-SEED. 1-800-FREE-SEED. Choose my lawn care company that's Natural Lawn of America. Greener grass, fewer weeds, guaranteed. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All righty. Uh, we got some great audio for you from the trial that's going on. Right now, is that really a trial? But the uh, star witness in the Fawny Willis case to resume testimony. I have some audio for you on that. But look, these two New York cases, I mean, they, they just prove who was defrauded. But I'll go with you on Georgia, too. Who were the victims in Georgia? The election was not overturned in Georgia. Joe Biden's president. I mean, where are the victims anywhere in any of these cases? 
in any of these cases against Trump, who's been victimized here? Who? Biden's president. The election was not overturned in Georgia or in anywhere. Nobody was was uh, screwed out of money by Trump. I don't think the American people would have made a difference if they knew about Stormy Daniels allegations or not. And certainly either way, Trump lost New York. So it wasn't like the Stormy Daniel allegations would have changed anything. So who are the victims in any of these cases? And the answer is there aren't any. The whole thing is a joke. Just attempted to stop him, obviously. All right. I went way too long in that last segment. So a uh, quick break here. We'll come right back. I've got explosive, or is it, audio for you as the Nathan Wade, Fawny Willis case continues. When, not if, but when did they start knocking boots? Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.